Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Knudsen with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 165. Never thought I could actually talk that much. <laughs> so anyway, today what we're going to talk about is I'm going to bring you up to date on several things. G update, of course. And then this topic is going to be a fairly narrow topic for those who are at, at the more advanced levels. But just some ideas about preparing to run blinds well, pretty much regardless whether you're competitive or whether you're just talking about challenging hunting conditions, just ways to prepare to run blinds uh, as well as you and your dog possibly can. So the first thing I want to say is for people that have know about the book Training the Pointing Labrador, which is what this podcast sort of stemmed from, it, one, uh, it it's only been sold, it used to be sold on Gundog Supply, and now it's just Amazon, and then 10 million other people on Amazon, all of whom sell it for more than I do. been very frustrating. And then my listing um, has just disappeared. You've got to just really noodle around on other buyers to just find mine. So they, I now there is a website now where you can purchase it directly from me for the lowest price of anybody out there. And that website is Batesworks.net. Um, sort of like the film, the, all of my films are under Batesworks. And so that's where that's going to be Batesworks.net. And you can just buy the book directly there. And also the audiobook will be out in October uh, for people that would prefer, you know, just listening to the book. It's a, it's kind of long. It's gonna, it's a number of hours, but that might be a little easier way to just break it down and listen a little bit. So that's the kind of the latest news on that. And I like Amazon, and they're a great place for selling stuff. But I've just absolutely been washed over by people making money off of apparently buying used ones and then reselling them for more than new ones. So just thought I'd let everybody know. Again, it's Batesworks, B-A-T-E-S-W-O-R-K-S dot net, and you can just get it on there very straightforward. The G update is, uh, actually we kind of, I think I've pushed her too hard because um, we were going into the water force. She's doing uh, pattern blinds on land and she can handle a little bit, you know, on hand thrown mark doubles and stuff like that. But So I start the water with her and get her going back and forth across. And I think I showed that on Facebook. And when I try to stop her, she is adamant that any any form of pressure means go. Any form of pressure. So just I have her on the rope. I always start stopping dogs with rope, not electricity. And I mean, she about pulls me right into the pond. So I think that I have a little bit of a misunderstanding. And I think that I've gone a little bit too fast. So I'm going to just slow that down. work, Continue to work stuff on the land. And just kind of back off a little bit on the water stuff until that sit becomes something that she's real comfortable with, uh, the sit with pressure on land. Although I don't really rarely have to use any pressure. But anyway, I think I just pushed her understanding and she gets a thought in her mind and it's real strong. So when she's in the water, there's no stopping in her mind. So again, I'm going to just use the rope, but I'm going to go back and just take a, just slow down a little bit on that because I think that would be the best thing. Interestingly, her sister's stopping on a whistle. She just doesn't seem to, to uh, overthink these things at all. And I think G tends to do that a little bit. But since I can do that, I, I relate to her. 
and I'm going to be patient and we will be fine because she's good on the land. But just little things like that happen and generally it's good to think it through a little bit instead of just going, listen dog, you're going to do this. You're doing it on land, you're going to do it over here. You know, maybe with some dogs that's a thing to do, but just not here. She really thinks she's doing the right thing when she is just going as hard as she can across the Sunby Pond. So that is the G update. Today I'm going to talk about, speaking of all the handling stuff, I'm going to talk about ways to approach running blinds. And people have um, oh, a wide variety of ways that they that they teach blinds and then practice blinds and then how they you know do it in their training. Particularly competitive people, but a lot of people are training and, and hunt more than anything else. So I'm, I'm addressing it to dogs running blinds. I don't have a different standard. You know, if I'm going for a, the qualifying for the Master National, I have the same standard on that dog that I do one that's just going to be somebody's really good hunting dog. I don't, there's this, I, you don't lower a standard and you don't have to. The, the limitations are your ability and the dog's ability. And you just do make it as good and as elegant and as neat and crisp as possible. So I'm just generally talking uh, to everybody. Now, what I am going to talk about is the approach. The only way I can only talk to people who have gone through the double T, where you force dogs first so that they know to go on back. They are conditioned to go uh, without thinking about it or making choices or anything else. They might go wrong, but they're going to go. They have to go on back or whatever command you use. And after you get them forced and conditioned to being forced, in other words, if you put a little pressure on them when they're en route going, they understand it, kind of like I must have overdone with G, because she knows about going. <laughs> and then you come in, and now you're going to teach them, wait, I also want you to stop right in the middle of that. So this is for dogs who are trained that way. Because I know some people just practice baseball diamond stuff. And because the dog likes to go and likes to run and will run out there, and they will do it, then they just kind of build off of that momentum and keep them running blinds. The issue when you do that is that you don't have that one tool in your toolbox of when the dog goes, well, I don't want to go, or I'm not going to go any farther, or I don't, you don't have any means to communicate to them, yes, but you have to. So if you've gone through the force thing where they know, gosh, when they say back or throw that hand up, I really do have to go, and they have been conditioned. It's not like you do it twice and you got it. They have to really be conditioned, just like I've used Marines. In, in, when they're there and, and when the gun st stuff starts, they immediately are conditioned to do exactly the right thing. They don't have to go, oh, I'm wait, they're shooting. There's none of that. It's a conditioning. An emergency room doctor, he has to be conditioned immediately. You do this first, this second, this third. They can't think about, well, oh, golly, look at that looks bad. They have to be conditioned, and dogs running blinds need to be conditioned to the word back, and that they must, or whatever you use, that they must go. And it is a, it takes time and repetition and clarity on the part of the dog. So I am talking to people who have done that, because if you just are flinging a hand up and they know there's one out there and they love running out there, again, you don't have that tool. So I'm talking about people that have that tool when the dog goes, ah, I'm not sure I want to go and then you say, tell them to go, they know they have to. They may not go perfectly, but they know they've got to move. 
Okay, and then after that, you get to stop and teach them. You also have to stop. Every time I blow the whistle, you do have to stop. So the assumption going into this discussion is that you have the go and you have the stop. But that's not enough. That doesn't mean your dog can run a blind retreat. It just means that your dog understands they have to go when you say back and they have to stop when you blow the whistle. But they don't have any context for blind retrieves. You just have some tools on them. That's all you've got. So it's like we got a great carpenter going in to build a house and he's got all the stuff that he needs, all the nails and the hammers and the, the ways to measure stuff and all that. And it, yet he doesn't, he's never built a house before. So it's like, well, I don't know what, what do I do with all this stuff? So that's what a dog is like. So the best thing to do, and it's a good place to review if you're having troubles with the dog a little further down the line, the best thing to do is make sure you understand from the dog's point of view what they think about this. I have a whole raft of them right now that have just come off the tee and just starting pattern blinds, and they know they got to go, and they know they have to stop, and they don't always know what they're doing. And if you run too many pattern blinds, if you get, you know, blinds where they know where it is, where you practice handling. A pattern blind is something that is the same place all the time, and preferably three, four of them at least, that you run so that they know where they're going and there's no issues there. And then that's where you practice handling. You know, send them out, stop, cast them a couple times. Don't send them to one blind and then over to another because that meant you lied to them when you lined them up and sent them the first time. But you teach them to handle. And then you can put some marks by it and run a mark and then come back and run this blind and they know where it is. So that's the purpose of pattern blinds is to teach your dog to handle, to teach your dog to kind of go where they're pointed. But when you do a lot of pattern blinds in the same place, you're also now teaching them to go back to the same place they've been many times before. And there, you, a little of that is good when we're working on teaching them to handle. But if you do too much of it, then they become very comfortable going back where they've already been. So then when you start doing cold blinds or putting blinds in with marks and they don't know where that is, they're going to default to go in some place they've already been because they've done so much of that. So for those of you on the pattern blind part, get what you need out of it. And it's comfortable for you and it's fun, you know, because they just race out there and they stop every time and they just look so good. It is comfortable to do that. But don't be that, be the reason to stay there. Move on to starting to do blinds that they don't know where they are. You know, and again, then you can start with a sight blind. Walk out there and put, I did a huge podcast on this just a few weeks ago that you toss one over here and then you can walk 100 yards over there and toss another one, walk another 100 yards, toss another one. So they know out there somewhere are bumpers, but they don't know specifically. And so you begin to teach them how to do blinds where they don't exactly know where they're going. And those can be really dicey and really sometimes so frustrating and so difficult. That's when you have a pocket of rocks and then when they just can't get a left cast at all, you throw a rock on the left cast and then they go and you kick them out of it. So you want to be able to then move them into, and, and the, only, the only way that when you start doing these blinds where they're not sure, they know, I think there is something out there, but I don't know exactly. The only thing that gets you through that phase is doing a lot of it, nothing else. You can't go for several days and go, we're good. Let's start doing a blind right up by the marks because I'm going to run the master next in three weeks. 
that that's not very advisable because the only way dogs get good at running on blinds that they don't know where they are is by practice practicing it being unsure not knowing having you work with them teaching them hey you got to keep going you got to stop you got to take the cast i'm giving you i'm going to help you when you're confused i'm not going to let you quit i'm not going to let you come in i'm not going to let you just freeze up you're going to have to continue to work through this all of that stuff you have to work through all of it and it's not like a couple days it's the more the better a month or two of doing that stuff your dog will be really good you spend the whole summer doing that by the end of the summer you can run any blind anybody puts anywhere because you put in all that time that's one of the things i'm not sure people do enough of and i know life makes it hard to do that but nonetheless your dog needs that uh to begin to under grasp this concept of you have seen nothing there's a big old nothing out there and i'm going to send you out to go get something that for some dogs is extraordinarily giant leap and so it takes time and repetition and when you do these things like don't have one pattern blind don't do one sight blind don't do one cold blind when you're teaching blind retrieves to dogs you you need to have at least i like at least three i'll never do less than three unless i just don't have time and sometimes if the dog needs it, I'll do more. I think Mike Lardy said in his deal, do six. Well, that's a lot. But especially if you're doing more than a dog or two. But you do multiple ones so they don't just learn. If you just go do one, then they learn. You just got one time. It's over. That's it. That's all you got to do. And instead of when you do the multiple blinds, pattern blinds, and then sight blinds, and then ultimately cold blinds, you're teaching them don't think about it just where you're lined up go run this blind and when they come back and there's another don't think about it just run this go that attitude that approach toward running a blind is going to be very helpful in confusing and complicated situations like competitive events or hunting yeah you're duck hunting and a whole bunch came in and people are shooting and dropping and some one of them's floating down the river and you got all kinds of stuff right you it's very nice to have a dog that goes oh a blind pointed this way okay it really helps you get out of difficult situations it really helps you do they don't really decide if something is hard or not they just go oh all right pointed this way i'll go and what creates that mindset in a dog is your repetition on your blind work so when you start doing cold blinds don't do one Go out and do cold blinds one day and do five. Taking into account, change the links, make it challenging, don't make it boring, don't make them so tight that they're going to wind one on the way to the other. But that's how you get them where they can do something really difficult in the very last series of something that they've never seen before or done before, but they're like, okay, blind. I go, I stop, I take casts. That's huge. But that means going out and spending half hour running a bunch of blinds you know and being patient and understanding that you are teaching and establishing um kind of a comfort zone in doing these things you don't have to be winning every time you run a blind you have to be gaining some understanding on the part of your dog and yourself working together also when you go do that set up five cold blinds you know you've come off the pattern blinds now you're starting to you know maybe do cold blinds or maybe they know there's some out there because they walked with you when you put them out and you come back 
This is the part where you learn some very, very important things that you can't learn quickly or if you're in a hurry or you have a very short period of time before or whatever it is you're preparing for. This is where you learn how, what your dog does when they encover, uh, encounter, say, cover at an angle, water at an angle, you know, terrain that goes up or down at an angle, and there's a wind. What, how do they tend, what cast do you need to give to get them going the right direction? Because dogs are very different. If you have two dogs, they may be very different. And just because you go do casting drills and they take it perfectly on a piece of flat ground, that's not what they're going to do under pressure, under duress, when they're running, when there's wind, when there's terrain, when there's weird stuff and smells. This, when you do a lot of this, is where you learn what kind of cast they take. So what, what kind of cast do you have to give? What do they do with hills? What do you need to work more on? They're real weak on angling a hill. So let's work on angling some hills. You know, they're gonna, they square everything. So let's work on teaching them not to square everything. And what cast do you need to give to get them where you need them? There is so much knowledge and information that the two of you gain about each other while you're doing this repetitive stuff, which seems boring to people and is not at all. Every single blind you run, you go out and do five of them, there is a tremendous learning thing between the both of you, assuming you're not getting angry, frustrated, yelling, putting on too much pressure, calling them in and quitting. Don't ever do that. Whatever blind you start, finish. Never let them learn that. I don't care if it takes 20 minutes and you're all the way out there with them. Never let them learn that you give up and quit. Always finish, even if it's going to be really hard, even if it seems impossible, even if you have to have your bumper in your pocket and keep throwing it in the direction you want them to go to get them to go that way. Finish these things. Make them take responsibility for carrying out all the work, which means you're going to have to do all this stuff. So again, it can, it, but the anger, the frustration, that helps neither you nor your dog. That gets you nowhere. But if you go out and do these things, and if you got kind of a starting dog, go out and go, who knows what this will be? Who knows? When I go out with my little gaggle of crazies, you know, sometimes I think, well, this guy, he's going to be really good. Oh, just blows up, has no clue what we're doing. Wants to run in. I just panicky. I just all crazy stuff. So then we just slow down, take a deep breath, sit for maybe 30 seconds, maybe 60 Try to make whatever made everything crazy. I certainly can't get that way. So I go, sometimes that happens. And sometimes the one I go, this dog is going to take me half hour to do this. And boom, we just sail through it. So you never know exactly how they're going to do it on a given day. But it's, a, it's such an awesome place to learn what your, how your dog thinks, how they process stuff, how they react to the environment, how they react to you. You learn that. They learn how to understand what it is you're asking them to do, and then they practice a lot. This is a fantastic place to get you two together, talking the same language, understanding the whole thing. And I want to say, and I've said this before, uh, a lot of times, for me, when you're running a dog on a blind retrieve, you are basically having a conversation with them the whole time. Now, when you send them on a mark, there's no conversation. It's like, you saw it, go get it. And that's the end of that. And then they saw it, they go get it, they bring it back. When there's a blind out there, and when you're working on like a handful of blinds like this, you're having a conversation. You're lining them up, and in doing so, 
in lining them up in the direction they're going to go, hopefully actually accurately lining them up. A lot of times you just look down at their head and you don't see the bodies at a totally different angle. When you line them up straight and say, all right, that's the first thing you say is, okay, here's where you're going to go. And you put your hand down, or if you do, and, and you tell them back, say, and then you're going, all right, now go. And then as they're going straight, if they're going right on line, you don't do anything because when they're going correctly and you're not stopping them, the, the signal from you is, that's right, that's good, you're right on, that's good. The longer they go being not stopped by you, the more you're telling them that's the right place. So if it's not the right place, you are sending the wrong signal. Now on a beginner dog, you got to let them get some momentum. So that sometimes you let them go a little more wrong than you will when they're a little bit better. Because momentum is important. But when they go wrong a long ways, and then you stop them and change direction, you just, you've been going, yeah, that's right. They're running at the green thing out there. And they're running right at it, and you let them go, and they get out there 70 yards, and now you stop them and give them a 45-degree angle cast somewhere else. What They're going, I, I thought it was the green tree. What, now I'm not? And now you, it's a little bit of a deflation. And now you cast them somewhere else, and they go. And now if you let them go very far wrong that way and stop them, they're like, I, first I thought it was a green tree. Then it was the big old thing over there I was heading out I don't know where I'm going I don't understand what you're asking me to do and a lot of times dogs get very deflated because they can't manage and control the situation they're in they don't really understand when you send them over here and then you send them a whole other way and for those people who cast dogs back to the line and then give them a straight back that etch-a-sketch stuff that really makes no sense to them. There's no momentum in there at all. They don't get to get the picture. Oh, I think it's back there by that big brown thing. And then you head them that way. And then whoop, stop them and give them a 90 degrees over because they're off the line. They, that, you're telling them, nah, no, now go this way. No, okay, now go that way. Like they're an etch-a-sketch dog. So then they have no conviction. They have no confidence. They know, I know where I'm going. I'm going to do this. I'm going to run fast and hard because I really like this. And this, my handler doesn't mislead me. I want to go get that thing. And they're getting me to it as efficiently as possible. So you're having a conversation the whole time. When you stop a dog on a blind, you are now saying, I'm going to change your direction. Which is, you know, in other words, not quite right. I'm going to change your direction. Now, if you don't have big radical changes in direction, like casting them back to the line, you know, then it makes sense to them. If you just give them, you know, a little bit of an angle, no, no, just a little bit more to the right, and you keep them always going in the direction of the bird or whatever you have out there, if you have them going, they learn to trust and believe in you. But when you, when you stop them, you're saying, I'm going to change your direction. So one of the things that particularly people new to running blinds, you need to be aware of. This is why you have to do a lot of this and pay attention to your dog. Sometimes dogs have a little bit of a bow, eh, not a big one. But they're running out. You sent them out there, and they looked at the green tree. That's where it is, right in front of the green thing that's out there. And they're just, they have a little bit of a bow, just a little bit, you know, but they're just a little off. If you find out by running a lot of blinds that they're going to bow, and they're going to come right in where you, 
where you wanted it. That meant when they looked out there and you were sending them at the big green thing and they were going at it. Now, they did the weird bow thing. Maybe they do that because of the wind or their terrain, but they, but you know the dog and you know they got a bow, so you're letting them go. Now, if it's obvious they aren't going to bow right into where you think, then you'll have to stop them. But if you, they're doing a little bit of bow and you're like, oh, God, they're off. I need to stop them. You just told them that that green thing is not where they're going. Now you're going to have a heck of a time getting them to it. And a lot of times people fairly new to this are unaware of that. You have to, by running a lot of blinds, learn what your dog does. Sometimes on a big old long blind, they're going to bow and just come right up on it. Sometimes in the water, they're going to go look like they're going a little bit fat out in the water and come right in on the shoreline where you need them. But if you stop them and cast them some, you know, t toward the shore earlier, you're going to have a devil of a time getting them where you just told them, no, that's not the place to go. So again, that's why running a series of blinds, just the two of you, not competing with your training buddy, not whose dog is doing best, who had the fewest whistles, who's run the fastest, any of that silliness. But you just go out there, you and your dog, might take half hour, hour, depending, you know. Go out there and run these things and pay attention. Watch what your dog tells you. When the mistakes are yours, always, just like always, the mistakes are yours. Unless, you know, you give a left over and they take a right over. Give them one chance and otherwise don't let them get away with that. But the mistakes are because you are not noticing what your dog does and what they're telling you. And then correcting. Maybe you're overcasting. People do. They give big old casts and the dog goes way to the side and then they stop them and give them big old casts. They go way the other way and they wonder why their dog is scalping all over it. It's because that's what you're telling them to do. So to have awareness of your body position, your arm position when you cast, what your dog responds to. Do you move a lot? Do you stand still? Should you move more when they get further out so they can see you? Are you short so it's hard? Are you wearing a green shirt with a green background or an orange shirt with a green background? They can't see any of that stuff very well. Are you aware of the whole situation? When you go out and plant your binds, turn around and look where you'll be standing. What's the visibility going to be? You know, a lot of time in our training groups, we have all kind of shiny cars and stuff over there and people and someone's giving cast. Dog can't see a thing. Then they get in trouble. So when you go out, be the guy that always plants blinds. <laughs> But turn around and look and see what the situation is. And make sure that you make it possible for your dog to see your casts very clearly. And I would suggest, this is me now, I, I don't yell stuff. I, don't, I just give visual casts. If I ever have to say something, that's a tool I have. Remember, back is a tool I have to make them move or do something. So if I do give a verbal, and I don't give verbal overs, but I give, if, I'll give it back sometimes if I need to kick them into some cover or they need to drive on past this ditch and through it and over, then I have my verbal little tool here to say, hey, you get on going back because they were conditioned on my verbal backs on the double T. But if you give all verbals all the time, then you have to give visuals and audibles, and that just isn't necessary unless you just like hollering and screaming. And, you know, if you're hunting or there's a high wind or they're running in the grass, 
you probably aren't going to be able to yell loud enough. So that's just setting yourself up for difficulty when you give verbals. Just don't have to do it. Like it makes people feel like they're all in control and stuff, but it makes them actually less in control because <laughs> now your dog has to have two inputs instead of one, and sometimes that's real difficult to do. So that's the biggest thing on doing that. If you guys can do that kind of thing, and you get real comfortable where you know what your dog's going to do most of the time, and you have a good, and the dog trusts you, and you have this rhythm between you, then it's not very hard. Before you start doing the triples with the double blinds up the middle, go do one of your big blind setups and put gunning stations out there. A chair, a chair with a bucket, a chair with birds. I don't care. Put stuff out there. Run your blinds past that stuff. You know, teach them, teach them, um, you know, sometimes there's stuff out there, but we're, that's not part of the blind. And when you get where you can do that, and when you get them running blinds, well, that's not very hard. You're going to have to cast them off of the scent of a bucket of birds sitting in a chair or a person sitting in a chair or whatever. It won't, you get them off of that kind of stuff. It's not very hard because they, you have established that trust. So if you do that on the multiple blind thing, you get the trust and the understanding. Starting to put the marks in there with it isn't going to take you very long because you have the trust and the understanding. They're going, yeah, but it smells like birds. And you're going, no, just keep on going back. And pretty soon they understand that too. Now, again, pattern blinds, I like to put marks on my pattern blinds. And I can do under the arc or right behind the fire station or whatever. That's a great place also to use your pattern blinds as a tool to teach them, hey, Never mind the flyer station. Just keep going right past it. That's a real good place to do that. When you can do that stuff, now you can go set up any marks. Any, you know, go do the marks in, a, in an event or a crazy hunting situation. And now you, when you got to run a blind just a little bit to the left or something that was really exciting, you line them up straight, put your hand down, stay back. There's the rhythm. They're going, all right, I guess I'm doing a blind. And they do really well. And they can do hard stuff that you haven't even practiced. Because you've practiced just running a blind period. Don't think about it. Don't analyze it. Don't go, oh, this is so tempting. Or this is too hard. Or I'm worried. You've removed all that. It's like, oh, here we go. And that's the easiest dog to run in the most difficult situations. And they don't know stuff is difficult. And frankly, it doesn't really matter for you either. Because if you've done a lot of that, land and water blinds, you know, you point them at water, they get in. You tell them to stay in the water, they stay. You tell them to get out, they get out because you've done it a lot. And so there's all this other stuff there. But the rhythm between the two of you, the music, and that's my favorite deal, the music between the two of you is playing. And when you do that, there's pretty much no blind you can't do or a difficult situation that you can't handle. But it comes because you have first the right tools and because you went out and took the time and effort, one, to practice a lot of that, and two, while doing it, don't go through the motions. Pay attention to what your dog is telling you. Make your adjustments and get it so the symphony is playing for you too every time you do that. So I'll stop there. That's today's. That's a lot of stuff. But that is hugely important. And I know many, many people who have done that and have, I mean, the most incredible dogs in the world. Uh, they could just do, they could do the filter out lines you know, just practicing that way for hunt tests just because it, the music was playing so well between the two of them. So it's just a matter of focus, attention, awareness, and putting in the time and doing the work. So that's today's offering for everybody. Season's on. 
wish everybody a lot of luck. Again, I hope I see a bunch of you in um, at the Triple Crown in Hagensville in just a few weeks. And uh, G and I will be back soon.